This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. David Rothbart, President of Spine Team Texas. Dr. Rothbart, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much, Laura. It's always uh, a pleasure to participate. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I'm really excited to get your perspective on some of the things that are going on right now um, in the spine field, as well as healthcare in general. I know there's a lot um, going on and the situation is constantly changing. So I, I'm looking forward to this discussion. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure. Uh, I'm the president and founder of Spine Team Texas. We are a multidisciplinary spine practice comprised of neurosurgeons, orthopedic spine surgeons, physiatrists, anesthesiology, pain physicians, physical therapists, nurse practitioners, and PAs. And we work in a multidisciplinary construct to, uh, and our philosophy is really built around minimally invasive and outpatient uh, spine surgery. Uh, we also own four uh, ambulatory surgery centers uh, we are partnered in a joint venture, uh, hosp- short-stay surgical hospital, uh, Texas Healthcare's Methodist Southlake, where I am chairman of the board. Fantastic. Well, um, you know, it's really great to see how the business and, and practice has been growing and, and really a huge enterprise. So um, what are the top three trends that you're following in healthcare today? COVID, COVID, and COVID. Beyond, beyond that, uh, there is, uh, you know, that's really uh, insinuated into the, the fiber of everything that is going on. We're, we're based in Texas right now, and that has its own unique challenges. Uh, the vaccination mandate right now is, is, a, is a huge issue uh, uh, currently going on here. Um, so uh, on a day-to-day operation standpoint, uh, you know, we follow that very, very closely. And obviously, as numbers go up, uh, that impacts uh, ability to do procedures. But uh, fortunately, since we are predominantly in the ambulatory space, it hasn't impacted us uh, quite as bit uh, as much as others. Uh, a couple of the other items. Uh, one is, um, as you know, uh, the flip-flop on CMS on the inpatient-only list uh, in, in sort of an unprecedented move. The beginning of the year, 258 codes came off of that. And now with uh, you know five months left in the year, they're now proposing that they put those back on the list. And it, it, it leads leaves uh, healthcare systems, uh, physicians, all sort of in a lurch trying to figure out the best strategy uh, going forward on that one. And then one that I think is uh, really interesting is what impact is artificial intelligence truly going to have on what we do? you know, it's kind of a buzzword and we, we need to figure out what will actually happen. But I think we really should be paying attention because when you see partnerships uh, between companies like Google and HCA, you know, we, we need to take note, we need to understand it, and we need to understand how we can be leveraging some of the uh, opportunities that it, it affords us. So I would say those are the three biggest ones, Laura. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, kind of going back to what you first mentioned with the COVID, um, like you said, I know the numbers have been going up in Texas and some different uh, measures have been taken now as they were last year during some of the surges of patients coming through. Do you anticipate or are you at all preparing um, to be supportive of some of the um, efforts there to to um, care for those COVID-19 patients, whether it's, you know, taking in some additional elective surgeries or how are you thinking about that? Or is it more of just still um, planning on operations as usual, but if needed, you, you know, obviously you're ready to pivot since you've done it in the past. Yes, I, I was just having this discussion with my leadership team. You know, uh, l- last year when we were going through this, we said, you know, we're, we're doing this uh, flying by the seat of our pants because we have no experience to draw upon. Unfortunately, as the surge is rising, and, and I just read yesterday that Florida and Texas account for one third of the cases in the country right now, um, we now have the experience from last year. I, I don't think we're going to get into as bad a situation as we did at, at the worst of times last year. But um, some of the hospitals where we do uh, perform inpatient procedures. They're now starting to restrict elective procedures. But when when you work predominantly on an outpatient and ambulatory space, we can flex pretty quickly on that. During the worst of times, we also uh, made our uh, ventilators and our nursing staff available uh, to the healthcare system should that be necessary. But I, I don't think we'll need to take such draconian uh, measures uh, right now. But some of the relaxation of so, uh, uh, COVID precautions that we were able to do earlier in the year, uh, probably prematurely, now we've had to flex and put those back into place. Got it. That, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I know you. one of the other things you mentioned as well was looking at the federal level, some of the policy updates from CMS flip-flopping on, on the inpatient-only list. And I know, you know, there are other aspects of that as well from the federal perspective that really can have an impact on how ASCs and, and orthopedic and spine surgeons in particular are thinking about their cases. What expectations do you have, if at all, um, in looking at, you know, how the next few years could go for surgery centers, given what we now know or have seen from the Biden administration in, you know, less than their first year? Right. You know, look, the, the train has left the station on being able to do outpatient spine surgery. If, 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 if you're not doing it now, you're, you're behind the times. If you're not adopting uh, minimally invasive procedures to, to allow the opportunity and using some of the technologies, which we'll likely discuss in a few minutes, um, you know, you're, you're not prepared for what your offers. And, um, uh, we take on a philosophy of doing what's best for the patient, and and, it, and it's just jaw-dropping that there can be consideration that where you can do procedures in a more cost-effective fashion, you know, you're we're, we're we're now looking at well, perhaps there's some resistance to that, and without getting into the politics of why that might have occurred, uh, I think we still all need to be preparing to you know 
transition as much out of acute care facilities. They will always have the role for spine surgery, trauma, tumor infections, you know, uh, patients with higher comorbidities. They definitely serve that role. But uh, for most spine surgeries going forward, uh, really, that should be done in an outpatient setting. And that's what we've been doing for year, years. And, and we'll just continue to push the envelope on that. Got it. Got it. That's really good to know. Um, now, as you mentioned, I would love to hear your perspective on some technology trends. What do you think are the most promising device and technology developments right now? And on the flip side, is there anything that you feel like is more hype than reality or just not quite ready for prime time? Sure. Well, uh, one that falls into both buckets, I think, is the topic of robots. You know, the, 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 the one aspect of the robots that really uh, makes it not ready for prime time is the cost factor. Most ambulatory surgery centers uh, cannot uh, afford where the robots are at. And so I think that's a technology that um, something's going to have to give there to achieve greater addition uh, into the ambulatory set- setting. But it is, you know, certainly very exciting technology. A couple of the other areas, one is endoscopy. Uh, That's, uh, you know, very quick and easy to adopt into the ambulatory setting. Um, And, you know, I think that it's starting to gain a little bit more traction than we've seen in the past. Uh, I think that's a combination that the technology has uh, somewhat improved. I think it's also a combination that we're starting to get a nucleus uh, of individuals starting to adopt it and starting to learn more from it and be able to expand that to our to our colleagues. The final thing that I think is uh, really fascinating is the the concept of augmented reality. Um, and uh, I, I don't know that that's ready for prime time. I don't know whether that's for routine degenerative spine disease whether that's more hype or is this a value add, but certain complex situations, it, 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 it has the potential to be a, a very powerful tool. And uh, I think we need, we need to take a judicious look at, at all three of these technologies. Got it. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, when I've been reading about the augmented reality technology, it seems really, you know, cool and neat and interesting. But like you said, on the flip side, you know, making sure it adds value and for robots too, you know, the healthcare system so much needs to have not only the quality of care, but also the cost side of things contained in the right way. So I can imagine trying to square all that um, and really make sure you're delivering value on the quality side and then economic side of that as well is really a, um, a challenge in some cases. Totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, cost is going to matter more and more and more. And uh, it is my fervent hope that quality begins to matter more and more. Absolutely. Now, before we wrap up our discussion here, I'm wondering, what are you most excited about today? And what makes you nervous? Well, um, first of all, um, there's a lot of disruption in healthcare right now. And uh, I, I love the challenges. And, um, 
and when there is disruption, you know, the the people who are really forward thinking tend to figure out great opportunities. And I think there, where there's chaos, there's opportunity. So that in general, just about the field makes me excited. The thing that really uh, gets me excited is when I think about when I began my career 25 years ago, where we are, just take the lumbar fusion, that that procedure back when uh, I first began in practice was an extremely painful uh, uh, procedure. Patients had extended recoveries, extended times in the uh, hospital. And now to think about the fact that we are doing just yesterday, um, I did a minimally invasive fusion and that patient was up walking in a couple of hours. Uh, she's had two doses of narcotics in his home right now. And to think that that's where we have become, and it's a combination of the advance in techniques mirrored with advanced technology, mirrored with anesthesia, and having a team who is really focused on trying to make sure that that one individual patient is getting the care they need in those first few hours after surgery that sets the entire tone and whether they're going to be able to meet uh, qualifications to go home the same day or within 23 hours. To me, that's extraordinarily, extraordinarily exciting. Uh, there is nothing more gratifying in the world than to wake up every day knowing I'm going to go to work, I'm going to do a procedure that used to be painful, but now has way less pain and takes a patient who's sitting there in significant pain and they wake up and their pain is gone. And uh, in all the challenges we have, at the end of the day, what we do is really, really powerful and that still makes me excited. What makes me nervous? Well, um, I would say three buckets right now. Two are kind of related. Um, I don't know if I would call it necessarily nervous. It takes a lot to truly get me nervous, but um, the COVID situation, it's causing challenges. It's very disruptive and um, on a number of levels and the uncertainty that it comes with both uh, in healthcare, the economy, you know, the recovery of the United States, it, it, that, that is a challenge and it's gonna be on our plate for a while. Um, the second is physician burnout. Uh, it's a real deal. Uh, we're seeing it more and more. Um, and I think that the challenges with COVID have only thrown gasoline uh, onto the fire. And so creating uh, practices where physicians feel valued, have a proper work-life balance, uh, I think that's I think that's really important. Uh, the third item is uh, going back to what we were talking about, this flip-flop between inpatient only and outpatient. You know, we, we live in a world where there is uh, increased encroachment by government, by insurance companies, really in the practice of medicine. Uh, we all experience it, whether it's peer-to-peers, uh, whether it's uh, these government mandates, it's, it's, it's a challenge. You know, most of us went into uh, medicine. Uh, we, we, in my generation and before my generation, we are generally fiercely independent individuals. And to have, and we went to, through a lot of training to get where we are. And to have either the government or the insurance company 
tell us how to practice is, um, I think it's a huge issue. And I think it also plays into that physician burnout uh, piece of, of the equation. Um, you know, last week I had a patient who, who came to me after being treated elsewhere with a failed fusion. Um, she happens to be a veteran uh, of the armed forces. Um, and, you know, I did a peer-to-peer -to, -peer to discuss what my treatment plan was for the patient. It's very clearly documented. And yet that patient was turned down to have surgery. And this, this poor patient has, you know, no alternatives here. And so it's things like that that really uh, can disrupt, you know, sort of the enjoyment and the pleasure of what we do. But at the end of the day, I still love it. And uh, I hope my colleagues do as well. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Rothbard, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I, I really appreciate your expertise here. It's been an enlightening discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Take care, Laura.